What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Premier League podcast here on FanRex Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Pauli Costell and Elliot Niblock. We're going to take a quick look here today at what happened in the Inter-Confederation playoffs for the World Cup qualification. Then it's all focused on the Premier League as we got a new match week coming up here. Match week 12 kicks off early Saturday with a nice little London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. But first and foremost... Which you guys have sufficiently shamed me for, and I've decided I'm actually going to get my sick ass up at 625 to watch. Yeah, you better. Like, how are you not... Dude, you know what I'm doing? I'm waking up at 625 on Saturday because I have to travel all the way to the other depths of, to the other side of Manhattan and just to make it to my friend's place so I can watch the game with my <laughs> Arsenal and Tottenham friend friends. Uh-oh, do you know somebody who lives in Harlem? That's always hard. No, it's the Upper West Side. It's a little bit lower. But, oh, okay. but like, uh, we already got the schedule. Doors open 7.15. First, uh, first glass of scotch is 7.25. Kickoff is 7.30. Uh, he, he bought poppies for our jerseys, even though I think poppy season is over. Um, <laughs> Are you doing a full English breakfast? I mean, that's the big question here. No, we do, the, um, we do a Jewish breakfast for these games. Okay. What, what's in a Jewish breakfast? Well, actually – Bagels no. and locks? Right, no, a Jewish breakfast is bagels and locks. We do a a Saturday like a Saturday Jewish lunch is like this stew kind of thing that like I can't even describe it to you because I could just tell you if you took one look at it, you would be like, that is the most vile, disgusting thing um I've ever seen. I've never met anybody who hasn't like taken a bite of it and been like, This is unbelievable. What it's is typically it? eaten at like lunch and it's just like beans, barley, meat. Um, sauces and everything thrown into a slow cooker and cooked over like 10 hours. Oh, okay. And um, we that eat that good. for breakfast. But when do you eat chakchukka or however you pronounce it? Uh, chalant? Uh, I don't know what it's called. The one with the eggs. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's There's a lot of different Jewish subcultures. Yeah, We're gotta, getting into different cultures here. I got to look this up. Okay. So shakchuk- we just We just do early morning scotch. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Is oh, that an Ashkenazi or a Spanish No, it's thing? okay. Really? That, that's, that's an Ashkenazi thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's me mixing up my uh, my cuisines here. Chachuca is North African. Um, that would that would that would be this the Sephardic territory. Yeah. Yeah. Eggs poached in sauce of tomatoes, chili peppers and onions, often spiced with oh. cumin. Really good. Oh. I love that we're still talking about food, even though today, before recording, we're like, we're going to pass, guys. We're going to be totally with it. Really yeah. good food. <laughs> yeah. Hey, side tanyans, always nice. Always yeah, nice. Yeah, always. I mean, we can't talk about the weather anymore because it's just bleh. So, yeah. anyway, well, let's living go. Living above the Mason Dixon. Yeah. I mean, they got better weather in Australia. So good for them, and they're going. It's a different season there. I know that's that's why it's better. So segue. Uh, they defeated Honduras three one in the second leg after a scoreless first leg. So uh, an own goal gave them the lead, and then uh, Jedinak had two goals on penalties, and then Honduras pulled one back late in stoppage time to no avail. Um, so yeah, Australia goes through Honduras. They sit on the sidelines, and um, I just feel like what could have been. I think if the U.S. would have made it to this game, they would have at least had a chance. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Honduras also had a chance, but I don't. Nobody's totally shocked by. But also, you you say like if the U.S. made it to this game, they would have had a chance. But the U.S. also like the first leg of this game wouldn't have been played in four inches of grass and humidity and and a field where the ball doesn't roll. It would have been played on like a real field where they can, you know, act where both teams could actually try to play. And you would think the U.S. would win, but then again, the U.S. couldn't beat the top four teams in CONCACAF so who knows yeah yeah that's true that's true and then the other inter-confederation matchup that was Peru and New Zealand where Peru took a 2-0 win at home in the second leg to move on 2-0 on aggregate as that game was also a scoreless draw in the first leg so Australia and Peru are the final two teams making it to the World Cup the Peruvians have been celebrating like crazy which, like, understandably, they should because they made it to the World Cup. Coming out of South South America, that's no easy task. But it's, no. like, I just – I feel like it's almost, like, a little bit ruined because it's, like, you should be celebrating coming out of South America, but they didn't really do that. They, they, they're they celebrating right now beating New Zealand, which is, like, yeah, you should have done that. <laughs> yes, but but, at the, but at the same time, it's their first time they're in since 1982. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. by all means. Like, by all means. They should be celebrating the crap out of that, and congratulations to them. They round out the field of teams, which when I uh, once they announced the pots this morning, I saw a random World Cup group draw generator thing, and I took one crack at that, looked at the groups, and I went, oh, my God, this is the world crap. And, (laughs) I mean, we – I. My groups came out like as good as you could get. Like we got England, France in one of them. We had a group with with Belgium, uh, and that was the group of death. There were two other good teams. We had a Germany, Uruguay group. It was as good as you could hope for, and you were still just sitting there going like, "Wow, these groups suck." Because, and Seb, you and I discussed it on on the last show in terms of like the name recognition from Africa, yeah, or like No Ivory Coast, Cameroon, you know, all those teams, but. When you count them up, you have like the 13 European nations, which, like, I mean, at this point, by all means, like Serbia is one of the best countries out there, even though, you know, who plays for Serbia off the top of my head? The only person I can name is Nevin Subodic. So you have the 13 European nations, I guess, plus Russia is 14, but no, screw it. Russia doesn't count. You have, <laughs> you have Mexico. I guess you have Costa Rica. You have Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, and that's pretty much it. It's like you have like 18 teams. 14 of the 32 teams are pretty much crap that you don't want to see. And yeah, it's the World Cup, so we're all going to watch. But like, again, like at a certain point, we're going to be watching. You know, people forget the match before the US Ghana match in 2014 was Iran versus uh, Algeria. And that match had about as much action as a pot of boiling water. I mean, if to it, be fair, if for I'm, Serbia, Ivanovic, Kolarov, and Matic all play. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Serbia, they have a great, they have a good team. They have a really. All right, good I team. was just picking one of the more boring. But wait, I literally, I just came across this after we started recording. Uh, big news yes. is Concacaf has just unveiled the League of Nations, oh, yeah. which is yeah. going to be played based on sporting levels, which just means uh, we're going to be playing Costa Rica, Mexico, and I guess like Honduras and Panama more often. So. Yeah. But it also means competitive games in 2018. So we can all of a sudden cap tie Cameron Carter Vickers and our next competitive game is next year, which I guess is a good thing. And obviously the, obviously the, uh, 
the criticism would be like, oh, but now we can't play other teams. Well, guess what? Like, UEFA is there in the middle of either their Nations League or Euro qualifying, so we can't play them anyway. And South America, like, started qualifying for the 2022 World Cup like two years ago, so we can't play them either. So this is actually very good news because I've always said competitive games, even if they're CONCACAF, like, we always say, like, oh, we do these friendlies against good teams from from Europe, but, like, we can't win CONCACAF away games. So, like, we should be playing mm-hmm. friendlies in at, at these CONCACAF nations yep. away yeah. from I think, home. I think it's a and good this thing. And this is a very good thing for the U.S., and we will talk about this a lot, like, at the next international juncture in March or something or when the news breaks later. I just – I want them to get it up, up now because this – Great news for the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let me ask you guys a broader question. Do you think that this is just going to be the way of the future and that friendlies are going to be slowly phased out to exclusively inter-confederation play and that the majority of non-qualifying games will just be played as, you know, a league table? Yes, 100%. Yeah. For two reasons. One, UEFA wanted – UEFA's idea – UEFA started the Nations League. And their idea was to have a world league, um, which is a little weird, but like it was like a world league. And then every four years, it'll culminate with this world tournament, which is with, with this World Cup tournament, which I guess is is interesting. And it would be it would be interesting to see like the U.S. play France in a competitive game in the United States or vice versa. Uh, the other reason is just because everybody has figured out, like, if FIFA bases rankings and stuff off off of their rankings and their rankings, like, playing friendlies hurts you, that hurts, like, you know, Wales jobbed the FIFA, the, um, you know, Wales, Romania, they got into pot one of UEFA World Cup qualifying by not playing friendlies. Yeah. So for a long time, they just didn't play friendlies, which... Uh, it increased their chances of qualifying for the World Cup. But remember, friendlies and games equals money. So, uh, you know, you want to play those games so that you can make the money, which is exactly why the U.S. is trying to host the World Cup this summer again with all the other teams that don't get to sit at the World Cup table. So if you can make these games competitive, then the FIFA rankings don't hurt you and you get to play the games and make money. Okay, so if I need, you know, to go back here to the different pots here for the World Cup... If I'm going to do a dream scenario for Sweden, I would say out of pot one, either Russia or, yeah, I would say Russia. Pot two, Peru. Pot three, that's Sweden. And then pot four, I would say Nigeria or Panama. Yeah. Panama. Yeah, I would say Nigeria, I think. That's the best best case scenario. When did we become a Swedish podcast? Hey, that's the team we're root for now. So with the USL, hey, I'm rooting for Iceland, man. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you hold your opinions to your own, Seb. <laughs> Second of all, I thought it doesn't matter who Zlatan plays. Zlatan beats everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did actually end up coming out for it. Ah, we'll see. We'll see. If I were Sweden, I would be like, get the hell out of here. And that's not. Forget my bias against Zlatan. I would just be like, you retired after the Euros. We qualified without you. We're done. Like, bye. You don't get to just come back because we're going to the World Cup. Yeah. He's that good, though. So if he wants to come back. But, okay, but, yeah, okay, but it changes the dynamic of the team. And this is something that the announcers were talking about a lot during during the, the playoff with Italy. It's, it's 
when he's not there, everybody else has a lot more freedom. When he's there, it's like we have to play through Zlatan because otherwise Zlatan will kill us. And yes, he's that good, but if is sometimes the team is better than um, than the player. To uh, just to go back, this is what we were talking about right before the show. When we were making all those Paul Scholes jokes. How you know Sven Joran Eriksson played Paul Scholes on the uh, on the left side to accommodate Gerard and Lampard in the middle, and then when that didn't work, it was uh, you know England went through that period where they were like, we should be playing Gareth Barry because instead of either Gerard or Lampard, because even though Gerard and Lampard are by far our two best central midfielders, the team is better if Gareth Barry plays. Yeah, they had trouble playing together. Absolutely. But so yeah, but so sometimes, you know, when Zlatan's in there, it just becomes a one man team. And if he's in the prime of his career, absolutely. But like at this point, yeah, like maybe if you want to bring him off the bench because you're down by a goal, that's one thing. But would Zlatan accept that role? You know, that's why Landon Donovan didn't make the last World Cup team. He wouldn't have accepted that role. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, Zlatan is, you know, speaking of Zlatan, he suggested that he could, you know, drop into a number 10 role at United when he comes back from injury. So, you know, if he can change there, why wouldn't he be able to change with the Swedish national team? Well, Rooney said he could play number 10 too. I can play number 10 for United. Like, I could say that. Can I go out there and do it? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, cool, fairly, cool. I'm fairly certain Slotan can play number ten. <laughs> can he? Yeah. Or will he slow down the team? Like, maybe, maybe he could try. He could suggest, "Oh, I am willing to try to do it." Oh, does he... that mean that he can actually do it? And that's a whole different story. And Seb, you're basing this off of what he's done his entire career, which is completely different from a 35-year-old coming off of a major knee injury. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we'll see how, how good he is when he gets back. Uh, let's change gears here before we go to break. Real, no, we'll go to break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about that London derby. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, and we're back. It's time to uh, talk about the North London Derby Arsenal against Tottenham. And uh, coming off an international break, Elliot, do you think this is good for Arsenal or is it bad for Arsenal? Because uh, we all know that sometimes it's... results can be a bit wacky after an international break. Yeah, I mean, I guess as far as that's concerned, then maybe it's slightly good, but I, I, I don't think that it matters all that much. No, you're you're afraid. Oh yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Like that. Well, you I lost mean, your top striker that like walks into the French national team. <laughs> you do have the backup French striker though. He's still healthy. You know, he scored a br- brace, right? Like. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. He scores goals. I get it. He's a good striker, but like for France, though, I don't get it. He's like he's a good striker, but for as long as the fact that Olivier Giroud starts over him for France, I will never let an Arsenal fan live that down. No, Especially, but during this international break, he scored a brace for them. Right, I understand that, but he didn't. He he started. He didn't start the first. Like it'd be it'd be one thing if like. They went to the international break, and Lacazette starts that first game, and he scores a brace. That'd be one thing, but like Giroud started that game, and then Giroud gets hurt, and now like 
obviously, I would I would think Lacazette was going to start the game against Germany anyway, but we don't know that for sure. And I will always take that other the other side of the of the picture here and say, nah, he started because of because Giroud did because that's how I like to troll Arsenal fans. But and and just the fact that my friend called him world class and I was like, he doesn't even walk into his own internet like his own national team, and I, and I was like, yeah, because. He's not world class, and then he's like, "Whoa, Fabregas was world class, but he didn't walk in like when he couldn't get a game for Spain." And I was like, "One, no, two. That's the worst, literally the worst comparison ever because Fabregas was playing behind literally the best midfielders at the time. Well, and arguably the best midfield in history. Exactly. And I went, "It's not like it's not like Lacazette is playing behind Robert Lewandowski. Like he's playing behind Olivier Giroud." Okay, but so nevertheless, but I, but, you have I mean, you do have Lacazette. Now the question is, will Arsene Wenger start him? You, well, I, now that Giroud is injured, I think almost certainly, right? But I no, wait, wait honestly, no, yes, no, yes, no. no, because like, name me a game this year where Giroud has started over Lacazette. No, that's the thing is that it's the question of if he's going to play Urzel and Wobi on the wings with. Sanchez down the middle, but I right. don't if, think. But if he was going to play a striker, it was going to be Lacazette. Arsene Wenger has made it clear Lacazette plays over over Giroud as he should. Lacazette's a better striker than Giroud, which is why I laugh at the French thing. But well, again, so, it's like how it's, it's wait, like are you just not going to play a striker here? Like how how you can go out there and spend all that money to sign Lacazette and then not start him makes me laugh. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is that coming out of the French national team, it's much more important that Koscielny is likely to be available uh, because he was left on the bench in that match against Germany. And, you know, I rate Giroud highly, as Pauli, you are quick to point out, probably high, more highly than I should. But for well, he's the, on the level of Harry Kane, as you said. For Arsenal, there's, there's is so much, more much Arsenal stuff to make fun of you about. <laughs> I mean, is he keeping up with Harry Kane still? Well, let's talk about this actual game. And in this actual <laughs> game, I think that Koscielny is much more important than Giroud, as he is generally. But that said, even though I think that he's much more important, I, how you can pick Arsenal to win this game, I don't know. Okay, so Charlie Nicholas, former gunner, you know, on Sky Sports, he said that they should leave Ozil and Sanchez on the bench and play with, like I said, and Danny Welbeck. I think that's foolish. Um, okay, I good. Do, oh, good, I, good. Yeah. I mean, I do think that Alexis, surprisingly, Alexis very much so, and Ozil to some extent also looked kind of anonymous and jaded against city but in terms of straightforward quality they're still you know two of the best players now does that mean they both necessarily have to start uh, maybe not but i i still think that the answer is probably yes um and for me personally i would be quicker to leave Urzel to come off the bench than alexis but i, I don't know i mean oh and the overall you still have to pick Spurs to win this, right? Like, I don't care that it's at the Emirates. I don't care if it's a Wait, little it's at the potential. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've been going through this whole week thinking it was at Wembley. No. <laughs> no, I'd almost if think I'm, that we'd have a better chance then. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Wenger, I, I 
you're okay with Ozil coming off the bench, I would say he should come off the bench. I would say you go with Lacazette up top, Sanchez, and definitely Awobi. Yeah. I, I mean, Awobi's coming off great performances for Nigeria. Yeah, and, and he'll just do the other things that, that you kind of need him to do against the team like Spurs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. And it's also, you know, I, I was reading Earth's blog talking about this and that Awobi has established himself as a consistent first-team player, but he still hasn't had that kind of huge breakout performance. And, you know, this is a player on the other end of his career, but the last time we beat Spurs, Matu Flamini had exactly that. You know, you didn't think for the world that with all the other players on the pitch that Flamini was going to be the one to get a brace against Tottenham, and yet there he was and he did it, and Awobi really needs a performance like that. Now, whether or not he gets that on Saturday, I think he's more likely not to than to do so, but, but you really want him to step up. And yeah, especially if he starts and Ortsel's on the bench, then that is a shining opportunity that all Gooners will hope he seizes. You also have to remember uh, Toby Alderweireld not playing in this game. Yeah, so that's a good point. If you go with if you go with Welbeck and Awobi, it's like, okay, they're capable players going forward and they're going to put in a shift defensively. But it's, you know, those are players that, Tottenham will say, like, all right, if we leave them wide open, they'll hurt us. But we're also not, like, you know, if we defend against them, we're not that worried about them. Yeah. As opposed to Lacazette and Sanchez, that's that's a lot more to think about. So maybe you're sacrificing a little bit on the defensive end, but now you're in Tottenham's head being like, well, uh, Awobi's got the ball right now, and Lacazette's making this run, but, oh, you better watch out for Sanchez over here. And different things happen, and you're without your captain of your defense – like that's a huge that's a huge weakness and as much as you want to be prepared for all of what Tottenham gives you if you want a chance in this game you better attack their weakness well and i think that i mean i think we're in agreement in terms of you know i i know you put it in stronger terms of like saying he should be on the bench but the front 3 of Awobi, Lacazette and Alexis is arguably the best going forward and i think that while Wenger is usually quick to start Ertzel, especially at home, in this context, especially speaking to Koscielny not being available if he had played against Germany and Ertzel having played against France in that fixture, then uh, perhaps he is more inclined to leave him on the bench for this one. We'll see. How pissed are fans going to be when they see Koscielny and like Hugo Lloris like, yucking it up after the game? <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I find... I find the anger about that kind of ridiculous when it comes to national teammates. I mean, maybe you can you can say that otherwise players shouldn't be so chummy with the arch rival in a local derby, but it's, you know, club, as a any, supporter, uh, club before you, country, but as a player, I feel like you're always going to choose country any, over club because nobody thinks that there's anything higher than winning the World Cup, and you do that with your nation. Any fan who is not from North London who is outraged about that can piss off. If you're <laughs> from if you're from if you're from North London, I can understand uh, the anger because you are used to all of your players coming up through your own systems and being either a gooner or a spur. Yes. So that game kicks off at seven thirty AM Eastern on NBCSN. Then we got Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Burnley, Swansea, Crystal Palace, Everton, all on the uh, NBC Sports Gold thingy. Crystal Palace, Everton. Let's do a quick hit on that one. Two teams in disarray. You're really enticing my nap for that 10 o'clock game. 
I mean, you can always watch Manchester City against Leicester. That's on uh, NBCSN as well. We should talk about that game. Okay, let's that talk about that intriguing. game. Okay, talk. Go away. Tell that you. game is intriguing. Talk. Because, well, let's think about it. What should happen in this game? Manchester City wins. Yeah. Manchester City should roll over them. They should. Because Manchester City are on fire and uh, Sergio Aguero's declared himself fit. Not that that matters because they have Gabriel Jesus, which is like a younger Sergio Aguero, and which is ridiculous. But they've been rolling over everyone. They should roll over them. But the last two years when Manchester City was the litmus test for, wait a minute, Leicester's still hanging around. Uh, but then they have to play City and Liverpool and Arsenal. And they thumped City beat Liverpool, and then lost Arsenal. And then last year when they were bad and Jamie Vardy wasn't scoring, City came in and Leicester beat them again. And it's almost like Leicester are almost like the team that's like perfectly equipped to beat City. Yeah, and can they do it? Uh, we'll yeah. yeah, we'll see when we come so to our scoring our predictions. City, our City's so good. Our city so good now that, you know, they're not going to – those long balls that, that play Jamie Vardy through aren't going to be a factor anymore. Or um, – or does Leicester still know what they're doing against Manchester City? Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Liverpool, Southampton also on NBC Sports Gold, as well as West Brom against Chelsea. Then the late game, that's 12.30 p.m. kickoff. Manchester United at home to Newcastle. That's on NBC. And then we only have one game on Sunday and one game on Monday. Watford, West Ham on Sunday, and then Brighton against Stoke on Monday. With that, we'll move over... On to our scoring predictions. Paulie has a commanding lead now after a great last, you know, match week. Uh, total of 14 points. You got that match week. So you're up to 92 points. I'm in second with 76. And Elliot, you're last with 67. Woof. Yeah, I got a lot of ground to make up. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I had four scores last week. That really helped. But scoring predictions should really just be called... When Paulie predicts like seven correct results and then picks the other three to bet on. <laughs> uh, you should stop doing that. Yeah. I have stopped. <laughs> but then I keep looking at how many results I get right and I'm like, how am I not winning any money? Yeah, you had a lot of a lot of one nothings that went in for you. Well, yeah, sometimes you know that the game's only gonna go one nothing. Yeah, there we go. So first out, Arsenal Tottenham. I'm gonna go three one Spurs in this one. I think they're good enough. Two on Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal always score against Tottenham. Yeah. Harry, it, Kane, Harry Kane always scores against London teams. Yeah. I, I'm i going to agree with Seb on this one. 3-1 Spurs. Mm. Then we got Burnley against Swansea. one nothing Burnley. Uh, let's go. I don't, I don't know about that. 1-1. One, one. I feel like Swansea are fairly poor. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Burnley convert their chance, so I'll I'll give it to them. One one nothing. Then Crystal Palace Everton. Man, this is a, like you said, that's a nap game. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a that's my scoreless draw for this week. Can Palace continue Everton's misery? No. <laughs> Therefore, scoreless draw. It's just gonna be a lot of missed chances. No, I'm I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it to Palace one nil. Two one Everton Ooh. because I'm making the mistake of riding off of last week's momentum, which was really two weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, weird things happen after international breaks. So yeah, why not? Two one. 
Okay, and then that Leicester against Manchester City. I'm going to be a little bit conservative here and go 3-1 City. I'll go 2-0 to City. All right, I just, I, 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 I'm not... I think Leicester have that puncher's chance of, of doing something, but it, I'm not going to pick against them until... No. Until you prove me wrong. You were talking a big game about that Leicester City counterattack, though. Well, I was uh, trying to create a conversation. You guys just... You guys were like, "Cool, let's go to scoring predictions." Yeah, <laughs> I'll. You know what? I'll. I'll give Leicester the goal at home at least, two to one. City. Then Liverpool, Southampton. Liverpool gonna shift the bed. One one draw. <laughs> no, I. I don't think so. I, they're not gonna keep a clean sheet, but I think that they're gonna show up for this one, and it's gonna be three one, Liverpool. Nah, no Sadio Mane, and oh, but average Adam Adam Alana's back in training but uh i'm not too sold on southampton so i think they'll do that park the bus thing liverpool get one southampton don't okay then bournemouth huddersfield yeah two nothing huddersfield no what am i saying they they don't score that many goals one nothing huddersfield damn it seb you took my prediction we should have walked you in at two nil uh yeah i don't know man i huddersfield I'm doing exactly what you said beforehand that we should stop doing by stalling yes. and being unsure. Wait, but I'm going to give you some time. I'm changing my pick. 1-0 to Bournemouth because I have to zag when everybody zigs. International break. And Aaron Moy, Australian, a lot of travel, not as effective. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do the uh, full spread on this one. 1-1 one, one draw. Hmm. Then West Brom at home against Chelsea. 2 nothing Chelsea. Chelsea are not good recently. Uh, West Brom is awful recently. Yeah, 3 0 Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they're uh, not good. They're not good, but they just happen to play their last two mat their last two games happen to be uh against the two managers that aren't going to attack them in that Jose Mourinho and Tony Pulis. Yeah. Yeah. Two 0 Chelsea. Then Manchester United against Newcastle that late game on Saturday. One nothing. Wait, what'd you say? What'd you say, Elliot? He said two nothing. Manchester United one, Newcastle zero. Elliot? Uh, give him two goals, two nil Reds. Yeah, that's my score. Because we're going to get the, not the Ander Herrera Nemanja Matic partnership, but the, the Nemanja Matic Marouane Fellaini partnership, and United will figure something out and, and they'll get. They'll get two. They won't give up any. Then Watford, West Ham. 2-1 Watford. Mm, I think that's a whole lot of goals for this one. I'm going to give you 1-0 Watford. That's the opposite been, of many goals. Yeah, I've been I've, very I conservative. almost scored a straw on that. I've been very conservative. So, And there's always a – especially after an international break, there's always a game that is – a lot of goals. So I'll throw it here, and I'll go 3-1 Watford for the sake of being different. Okay, I'm going to put a lot of goals in this one. Brighton against Stoke. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. 2-1 uh, Brighton. That's still a lot of goals. Nah, that's not that many. Three goals. <laughs> it's going to be played under the lights in the highlight evening fixture, and nobody's going to score a goal. All right. No, no. All right. Playing it under the lights <laughs> on a weeknight. I'm sorry, wait, isn't there a team where, like, they're pretty good at that? Oh, right. I'm going 2-2. Stoke. 
I mean, 2-2 to Brighton and Stoke. It's winning points. 2-2, <laughs> Stoke win. 2-2, Stoke win, yes. I just, I don't, I don't No, I'm picking 2-2, Stoke. So if, if it ends 2-2, I get the I get the three points. And if Stoke win, I get a point. No. Okay, with that, we're going to say goodbye. As always, you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norm. Polly is P. Costell. Elliot is Keith was better. And we'll talk Unless you're you. a U.S. men's national team troll. I get into way too many fights with these people who have like 45 followers. And okay. I'm so tired of it because they're so dumb. <laughs> well, but... If you tweet at me, I'll respond. Okay. We'll talk to you again on Monday after that thrilling Brighton-Stoke matchup. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.